I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. It's been well reported that people of color are among those disproportionately affected by the coronavirus, and now we have an idea of just how bad that is in the Bay Area. The Chronicle has received state and countywide data and found Latino and Black people are particularly affected in three of the Bay Area's largest counties, a situation that magnifies inequities that predate the crisis. Health workers say addressing those disparities will be critical in slowing the spread of the virus to all people in the Bay Area. Joining me to talk about his findings is reporter Joaquin Palomino. Joaquin, you are um, our primary data reporter at The Chronicle. So um, a lot of what you do for a multitude of stories is crunching data all day and trying to figure out what it tells us. What what about this um, story in particular made you think there's more to be done in terms of researching just how badly this um, this virus preys on different races? Um, yeah, so so as you mentioned, there's been sort of coverage of this issue across the country in, in other cities, other states on the disproportionate number of Latino people, Black people who are getting sick and dying from the coronavirus. Uh, and so I was actually, I, I was talking to a doctor for another story, um, you know, several weeks ago, it feels like forever ago now, but it was really just several weeks. Uh, and, and he was the doctor at SF General, and he was talking about all the patients he was seeing coming in um, and how he expected that this virus was going to impact, you know, some of the most disenfranchised people in the city just because of, you know, pre-existing inequities in healthcare. Uh, But even so, he was just shocked at the disparities he saw. Uh, Ultimately, he said about 80% of the patients who came into the hospital for COVID-19 were Latino. Uh, Normally about a a third of the hospital, hospital patients are Latino. Um, and so when he said that, I thought, you know, we really need to start looking at the countywide and the statewide data, uh, throughout the Bay Area to really just try, try and quantify the disparities that, you know, all these frontline workers are talking about, but that until recently we didn't really know or, or we couldn't really quantify because the data didn't exist. Um, and so the first thing I did, I mean, I went to county public health websites, and started looking at, okay, what, what are they reporting? Um, how much detail do they provide on cases, on deaths? And sort of was confronted with this hodgepodge. Uh, every county sort of reporting unique information. They have their own data systems. Um, but there were some that provided just sort of basic level information. So the demographics of the people who have tested positive and died. Um, and so we really focused on Santa Clara, San Francisco, and Alameda counties, because at the time that we started this, those are the, the three that were reporting demographic information. Now, now I think several more have in the Bay Area. And we found that Latino people are testing positive, you know, specifically Latino people are testing positive at um, really disproportionate rates uh, across those three counties. So in San Francisco, there's a lot of cases where race still hasn't been determined, but of those where race has been determined, we found that uh, 45% of the people who have tested positive in San Francisco are Latino. Uh, about 15% of the population of the city is Latino, so a big difference there. Alameda and Santa Clara counties had uh, similar disparities. They weren't as stark, but but there was still a big gap between the proportion of people testing positive who are Latino and, and, and the representation in the population. Um 
And so we just started talking to people and trying to figure out, hey, what what is driving these disparities and, and what is the importance from a public health standpoint of addressing them? We also looked at death rates in the three barrier counties and found that African-American people were dying at much higher rates than any other race. Um, so in those three counties, the rate for African-American people is about twice as high as any other race. And in the state data, the states also released demographic data of people who have died from COVID-19. And they found similar disparities as well. And there's also been big disparities among specifically Latino adults, so 18 and over, um, are also dying at much higher rates than um, white people or Asian people in the state. And what what what's your feeling about the quality of this data? Because I know we've talked a lot about mi- many stories that you've done. And, and one of the reasons why you are so critical in the newsroom is you can tell us when the data is quote unquote good and when it's bad. And so what how would you judge the quality of data overall that we're getting from the county? I mean, you mentioned or not just the counties from the state statewide, all the counties, you mentioned that it varies a lot from county to county. What what does it not have that you wish it had? Um, so so me and, and a lot of the researchers I spoke with um, mentioned that one thing we want to be able to tell is, you know, we want to look beyond just race, you know, occupation, uh, income levels, education levels, things of that nature to figure out, you know, our certain populations of people being impacted more, you know, regardless of race or, or you know, is are people who are working in the community testing positive at higher rates, are people who uh, maybe are undocumented and maybe wary in some places, at least, of, of you know, seeking medical attention. Are they coming in sicker, uh, for example? So there's still a lot of information that we don't have, or at least we, the public, don't have um, that I do believe is being gathered and that hopefully will shed light on these disparities sort of down the road. Um, there was a really interesting study, though, in the Mission District, um, which got a lot of publicity, where they looked at one census tract. They offered free testing there, and they collected a lot of information about the people who were being tested and and, and who tested positive. And what they found was that in the census tract, about 95% of the people who tested positive were Latino. Um, and it was something like 40% of those screened for the virus were Latino. So again, a big disparity there. Uh, and then a lot of the people who tested positive were really low income and they had to work in the community. So they found, um, you know, they're able to look sort of a few steps beyond just race and, and, and see these other factors that might put people in positions where they're more likely to get sick. Right. So basically, in other words, when we just have race data, it's sort of unclear as to whether there are uh, physiological reasons that they're maybe coming down with it more often or genetic reasons versus it being an economic issue of people, uh, you know, certain races disproportionately affecting, you know, a poorer segment of the population that has to do different work to survive. Is that basically... Am I getting it right? Yeah. And, and most of the experts I talked to, I mean, they really focused on some of the social factors as, as sort of obvious causes. You know, people people of color in San Francisco and the Bay Area tend to be essential the essential workforce. They tend to be the people that continue to be out, you know, working, interacting with people. Um, in San Francisco especially, tend to live in, you know, much more sort of dense housing uh, just because the cost of housing is so expensive as well. Uh, but then there's other just, you know, structural issues, societal issues that go beyond that. You know, access to healthcare is a big one. Um, 
you know, especially for undocumented immigrants, there is, uh, you know, there may be concern and, and among some that if they go to the hospital, they're going to end up sort of drawing the attention of, of immigration officials, which is something they don't want to do. Um, there's a federal policy. It's called public charge, which has made it so, you know, if, if you are seeking a green card or a visa and you're accessing public services, um, you know, like, say, medical services, it could actually harm your chances of gaining legal residency. And so that has also, at least in the eyes of, of the advocates we spoke with who are dealing with a lot of the under undocumented immigrant community, um, you know, it, it may discourage people from seeking care. Um, you know, the federal government has said that that seeking care for COVID-19 will not count against someone as if they're trying to, you know, obtain a visa or a green card. And then there's just sort of historical um, inequities with the healthcare system that may put certain communities of color, uh, make them a little less trustful or, or make, make those groups a little less trustful of going to the hospital of seeing a doctor um, just because of, you know, sort of all of these studies that have been done showing that that there has been sort of mistreatment uh, and, and, and there have been many racial inequities in healthcare in general. Yeah. How much of it could also be cultural? Is that an issue at all? Because I know our colleague Justin Phillips wrote a, a column about how the barber shops in black neighborhoods may never be the same because they're historically places where you can get together and socialize. Um, it's very important to the black community. Are there also issues like that that come into play? Um, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because part of uh, everyone I was talking with was really, you know, speaking to the sort of systemic inequalities that have created this riff between healthcare and Latino people, black people. And, and part of dealing with this pandemic right now is, is addressing those really quickly and basically saying, hey, we know you might be afraid to come see the doctor for, for X, Y, or Z reason, but, and, and really legitimate reasons, but you need to come. Like, trust us, we're, we're here to take care of you. And so there's this really interesting thing where now it's like all of these social issues that have been sort of, you know, they've been out there forever um, have sort of boiled up to the surface and and public health officials across the Bay Area are trying to address them and they're trying to sort of fix these past inequities that have existed forever. I'm speaking with reporter Joaquin Palomino about inequities and how that manifests in the treatment and diagnosis of coronavirus, particularly in people of color. I want to take a break, but we'll be back right after this. Joaquin, before we went to break, we were talking about some of the historical inequities that are contributing to the rise of coronavirus, particularly in Black and Latino populations. What are what are the solutions to that? Because, I mean, we've been talking about these inequities for a really long time. I don't think we're going to be able to solve them um, anytime overnight. So, so what are the cities and counties doing to make sure these communities can stay safe? Uh, yes. So right now, I mean, there's sort of this public health, this understanding from public health officials that when you're fighting an infectious disease like this, you need to target the hotspots, the communities that are most heavily impacted. Um, and in this case, that tends to be low-income communities of color, at least in the Bay Area. And so there's a lot of movement in terms of like really flooding resources into places that are have been hard hit. 
And so, you know, in Oakland, for example, they're offering free tests now to anyone who's coming out of jail or prison, uh, because that's obviously a high-risk place to be right now. Um, to people who are experiencing homelessness, they're offering free tests to them. They're offering free tests to uh, anyone with a pre-existing condition. So, so they're really trying to now target the resources towards the people who are at risk of getting sick with COVID-19 or the coronavirus, as well as people who are at risk of um, you know dying or, or, or you know ending up in the hospital because of it due to other conditions they might have. Um, and so San Francisco is doing something similar. San Jose. It seems like there's this big push now of really getting resources into communities that historically have been have not had them, uh, which which is playing a big role now in these higher rates of infections, higher death rates in these populations. Um, it's a really hard task. It's a really tall task to to accomplish because you're trying these health officials are trying to address, you know, really deep historic disparities, and they're trying to address them really quickly. You spoke to a number of people who um, who are affected by this. What is what's the reaction that you get overall from people? I mean, I I can't imagine that our our Latino and Black neighbors are not even more afraid than everybody else because they see this data all the time. How how is that manifesting in people's homes? Yeah, so my co-reporter Tatiana, um, Tatiana Sanchez, who's the immigration reporter at The Chronicle, she found a family in San Jose where uh, the father, an 88-year-old, um, has diabetes. He came to, he was tested positive for the coronavirus about a month ago. Um, and she spoke to them about, I mean, just the devastating impact that this virus can have. And, and I mean, that it has on it and everybody. Um, but he was living in a home with nine other people at the time. And he suspects that, that or his family suspects that maybe that's where he had, um, you know, contracted the virus. Uh, but they, obviously, they don't know. Um, and and the impact on the family was just huge. I mean, the the father who was elderly, who was in a really high risk population for, you know, getting very sick or dying, had to be, you know, completely isolated from the family. It uh, the, the daughters were saying that they were just sort of, you know, falling into depression uh, just because they couldn't help. And um, that's sort of the devastating thing that we're hearing about this virus from everyone who's impacted by it um, is that it can really, you know, even mild cases can have these huge impacts both on on households, on families, and and on on people's earnings. You know, if if you can't go to work, for example, because you're sick. Um, for an extended amount of time, things like that. So, so yeah, Tatiana found that family. We we spoke to them at length. And then many of the advocates in San Francisco who are working with these communities, um, I mean, there's there's this big push now to get people who are, you know, farm workers, working in restaurants, other essential employees to get them protective gear so that they can stay safe just because there's this acknowledgement that they're, you know, they're on the front lines. They're at much greater risk now of, of contracting the virus. It's It seems to me that sometimes in this country over the last couple of years, we've lost a sense of caring about other communities that may not be our own. And one of the things, I mean, maybe I'm just a perpetual optimist, but one of the things I think could be so interesting about this virus is that it's it's a great equalizer in a way not in terms of who's becoming infected right now but even if you didn't care about the homeless community 
And even if you didn't care maybe about inequities among black and Latino people, you, you should care about it now because if those communities are disproportionately affected and they fill up the hospitals, there's no care for anyone else either. So, I, you know, I, I, I guess I, this, the, the optimist in me says this might win over even the most hardened cynics in realizing that our public health system is not um, only for people who can't afford it, but it really is to protect everybody. Can you talk a little bit about the overall global public health implications for what happens if we don't get this under control in the Latino and Black populations? Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, so I spoke to a number of epidemiologists about this. Um, and it's an interesting thing because you've had these these disparities forever, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, both diseases and and healthcare treatments. Uh, but those, have, those, you know, primarily impact an individual, right? It's not something you can pass on to someone else. So, you know, diabetes, for example, um, cancer, HIV. I mean, HIV is you can pass on to someone else, but it's it's much harder. Um, you know, with something like this, which is, you know, passed through droplets, um, you know, potentially airborne in some cases, um, it, it's, it's not just then about, you know, protecting those communities who are most hard hit by protecting those communities or, or by, by, you know, flooding resources into those communities, you're also just protecting society at large uh, because the how quickly the virus spreads depends on how prevalent it is. Right. Joaquin, thanks for being with me today. Yeah, thank you so much, Audrey. Appreciate it. I'd like to thank Joaquin Palomino for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 